Hello, welcome back to the latest recording of You Are My Borough, the Northern Echoes dedicated borough video and podcast. And I'm sure as ever joined by Scott Wilson. And we're going to have a look back today at Borough's pre-season and have a chat about what we've learned about Michael Carrick's side during the summer schedule. And obviously that will lead us on to transfers. And then we're back with two a week now, which is the biggest indication. Ever, well, not the biggest indication, but it's a clear indication that the, season, <laughs> that the season's starting. Um and it's all it's all uh, it's all guns blazing from here, Scott. It is, yeah. The phony war's just about over. We're recording this on Tuesday, so I am going to Hartlepool Sunderland tonight. That's going to be my last pre-season game. Borough obviously finished though, so we're just about there. We've got through it. It's um, it's a funny time of year, isn't it? You, you know, you, you want to read things into the games and you want to get excited about it, but ultimately. As managers keep on saying, as Michael Carrick has kept on saying, it doesn't really matter, does it? Results don't matter. Performances don't greatly matter. Yes, you you, you need your players fit. You clearly want to stay as injury-free as you can. And Borough have obviously had a bit of a setback there. But um, but listen, we're, we're getting to the real business. Millwall on Saturday, that's when it starts. That's when we'll actually get to see what Borough are all about. So, yeah, bring it on now, I think, isn't it? Yeah, so we'll so we'll 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 get our heads together again at the end of the week on Friday afternoon and record a, a second vid and pod this week when we'll look ahead to the coming season and make our bold predictions that you can correct <laughs> on at the end of the year. Um but today we're just gonna purely look back on pre-season and as I say, kind of talk about what what we know about Borough and what and what the summer games have told us. I spoke to Matt Crooks after the game against Dogs Air on Saturday and I asked him what you touched on there, Scott. It, basically, you know, it Will will the because there was no intensity to Saturday's game. It it it, it looked yeah. if you if you were dropped into that game, then it was clear from the get go what it was. Um, yeah. And and I said I said to to Crooks, does the intensity and the tempo just naturally increase when it's a game that matters? And and he kind of said, well, it's it's everything that surrounds it. It's the atmosphere. It's the edge. It's that sense of occasion. But then he said, it it kind of also on us in games like this. To lift yourself really and rouse yourself, and yet you know we've done how many God knows how many preseason games over God knows how many years, um, and you you can only read so much into them, can't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I get the argument that there's a level of professionalism and players should be wanting to win every game they go out, and it's important to lay down a marker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the, the, the brutal reality is that there's no consequence to winning the game. There's no consequence to losing the game. It just does not matter. And no matter how professional you are, no matter how you try and mask that, that's the reality. That the, the, there's no edge to it. You know that. There's no competitive element to these matches. And you see it all the time at the end of the season, don't you, when teams have nothing to play for and people say all the right things and, and players will say the right things and managers will say the right things. But time and time again, teams with nothing to play for lose games. They really shouldn't because there's just nothing on those matches. And, you know, that's what pre-season is. So Borough have got through it. Like I say, that you know, the Smith injury was a, was a real kind of downside. Um, we'll get on to signings in a minute and obviously... You know, quite a few of the new lads have been integrated into things, which I think will be a big tick in the box from Michael Carrick. I think most of the players who are fit have got the minutes that he would have wanted them to get. So, again, that's a tick in the box going into the weekend. And, you know, he will have learned a few little things from playing players in certain positions. But ultimately, it's just about ticking them over before Saturday starts. And, and, and on Saturday, we'll see, you know, we'll get a real proper reflection of exactly where this Borough team are currently at. 
Before we talk about what transfer work is still to be done, then let's have a chat about those who have who have come in. Seven yeah. signings, six in that frantic, what four or five day spell when they were in Portugal, when it was um, yeah. every day there was there was a new signing. Sammy Silvera is the one who stands out as the new signing who's, who's caught the eye most. And interestingly, he was brought on at halftime against Auxerre on Saturday when Carrick moved McGree back to left-back. We'll talk more about that. Um, yeah. and, and, and Morgan Rogers has looked bright in parts, considering really that he, he's had to adapt to this centre-forward role that he might well start in in Saturday. Um, what, what's been your impression of the of the new signing so far? Um, yeah. So, pretty similar. I, I think Silvera is the exciting one, isn't he? You know, we've seen little bits of him. Um, I, You were obviously at the game at the weekend when he came on. I was at the game at Bradford when I thought that he um, he was probably Borough's best player, him and Jones, for most of that game. Um, I think if you're talking about any of them who are really knocking on the door for a, for a first-team place that you probably didn't expect them to have, He's probably the one. He, he looks like he's hit the ground running. He, he's got a bit of trickery in him. He's clearly not that big, but he looks able to handle the kind of hustle and bustle of the championship. So I think it's a tick in the box there in terms of the, the way that he's handled himself in preseason. I think he looks potentially exciting. Rogers and Gilbert are interesting ones because, you know, as you rightly say, it looks like Rogers is going to be playing as the nine on Saturday. And I think... If you'd said when he first walked into the club that that would be the situation, I think I don't think many fans would have a envisaged it playing out like that and b kind of being massively happy about that. But that's where we're at. Um, I think both him and Gilbert look like number tens, don't they? Or wide attackers oh, at the very best. I, I don't think either of them look like proper number nines. As in, you know, listen, it's Millwall at the weekend. You know, Cooper, Hutchinson. To you know, the most physical defense pretty much in the championship. Is that a game you'd want to be pitching Rogers and Gilbert into? Ideally, I'd say not. And yet, that's as I say, where Borough are going to find themselves. So let's see with Rogers. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't look like a fish out of water in the role. Don't get me wrong, he makes good runs. Um, you know, he can put himself about, about a bit in the box from what we've seen. Um, but my worry would be, you know, can he handle the physical side of the game that he's clearly going to get against Millwall at the weekend, or, or, or will he be bullied out of it? And we'll see with that. There definitely looks a player there. That's what I would say. Um, he's bright. Like I say, he makes good runs into the channels. Um, he links play pretty well. He doesn't look like a player who, if he plays number nine all season, is going to score 20 goals, does he? Let's be brutally honest. Now, maybe that will change. And then the other one, who I would flag up, who I think's had a good preseason, is Dieng who looks like he's going to fit pretty seamlessly into what Michael Carrick wants his goalkeeper to be. The bettest game that I did, he was playing out literally at every opportunity that he got. Now, what, on one occasion, Borough got themselves into trouble doing that, and that will be the kind of heart-in-the-mouth times that I'm sure they'll be this season, as there was in fairness with Stefan. Uh, but that's clearly how Michael Carrick wants to do things. That's clearly the type of goalkeeper he's wanted to sign. And... <laughs> From, the, from the, what we've seen so far, Dieng looks like he's going to be capable of, of pretty seamlessly stepping in and, and making sure that Stefan's not, not missed that badly, which, given how important Stefan was last season, was not a given. So I think that's a tick in the box for the summer business as well. Yeah, there was a, there was a stage in the first half against Auxerre where 
Dieng, as you say there, was was well out, comfortable with the ball at his feet. And he was ac- actually further forward than the two centre-halves. Dale Fry and Daryl Lenahan were behind him and he kind of advanced and advanced and, yeah. and didn't look at all... And didn't look at all um, at all shaken by it. Just, just touching on the, the uh, Rogers thing, I think what's interesting is we know that Carrick is kind of not afraid to think outside the box, really, with his forward line. He moved Force to the right side. He moved Akpom to 10. He played Crooks up front. But given that Crooks played the second, the majority of the second half of last season as, as the nine, and that Rogers has played more of his football from a deeper role, you, you would have thought that he'd have played Rogers off crooks if they were going to be the two. And yet it's clearly been the other way around for the majority of the summer. And and speaking to crooks again, after the, after the game against Oxay, he was talking about how Carrick's been working with him on the number 10 role. He's played there previously in the past. He's comfortable. I didn't get the impression that this, that was a short term fix. And I, I might be wrong and he might spin him for Saturday's game, but I got the impression that he, 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 crooks is, he's, 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 he's looking at crooks as the number 10. Now, if Tuba comes back and plays, then we know Akpom slides in there as the first choice number ten. But yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, think, I think that's interesting. I, I mean, Especially yeah, I'm kind of the forwards. We're kind of guessing or assuming, aren't we, that, that the way that Carrick's lined them up in the last two or three games is is the clear indication of the way he's thinking. Now, it's not out of the question, as you say, that actually. This has just been a bit of a, a plan to get a look at what Rogers is like up there and what Crooks is like in the number 10 position because he knows perfectly well what Crooks is going to give him as a number nine. And it might be that come Saturday, actually, because it's Millwall, because it's the championship, because it's the first weekend, he thinks, do you know what? I will go with Crooks up there. I don't think that's out of the question. I think it's less likely because, as we've said, the problem is he's also had to fill in the number 10 all the way through pre-season. And, you know, you'd have to be pretty confident that Tuba's not going to be in the starting lineup on Saturday, having not played a single minute of any pre-season matches. So that that's, you know, that's clearly being factored into what's been going on here. The fact that he's had to come up with a, a solution for the number 10 position and the number nine position. And Crooks was always going to be one of those solutions. And I think he just feels that at the minute, he needs him in the number 10 role because he's probably got less obvious options to go in there than to stick Rodgers up front and, and get Crooks playing off him. So, you know, I, I'm with you. I think all things being equal, that's probably the way things are heading for this first game. Um, but I don't think it's impossible that things flip. And I and I, I do get, you know, I, I know that this is all tied up in part of the thing that obviously the season starts in the first weekend of January, the transfer window doesn't close to the last weekend of January. All across the country, you're starting to get championship managers, you know, saying, why does this happen? It's a bit of a farce. It's a story every season. I suspect there's every chance Michael Carrick will, will answer that if he's asked on it in his press conference at the back end of this week. But it is the reality of where it is. So I think at every club, you've got the manager working to one date, which is clearly the first weekend of the season. But then you've got the recruitment team, understandably, working to another date, really, which is when the transfer window closes. And so... You've got this weird little period now in the middle where what will work for the end of the window doesn't necessarily work for these first couple of matches. And it's not ideal. You know, I think if you speak to anyone at Borough, they'd, they'd hold their hands up and say, yeah, absolutely. In an ideal world, we would want every player through the door now. We would want the team set. But it's very, very rare that that happens because, you know, as, as we've talked to and as we'll probably get to when we go on to what might happen next, if you're talking Premier League loans, if you're looking at that kind of market, 
it nearly always happens in the last week week of the window because Premier League clubs are still abroad. They want to t- try things out. They want to test everything out. They want to wait until you know the last possible moment in case any of their players get injured. So you know it's not ideal that Borough are having to make do and match for these first couple of games, but they won't be the only club that are having to do it. Is what I would say. No, I, I, that, that that Premier League loan thing, and I, and I think the other thing is Premier League clubs are, are a week behind, aren't they? They're a week yeah. behind Championship clubs. So the likes of Cameron Archer, I know Unai Emery was suggesting last week that Archer is going to be staying put, but the likes of Archer, Ramsey, you know, Ahmad Diallo with, with United and, and and other players who've, who've just talk of whether they're going out on loan. Well, Premier League clubs aren't going to make any decisions on those until they know exactly what and who they've got in. And that's not going to be until the uh, until the final week, is it? Now, what we do know is in an ideal world, Borough don't want a repeat of last season, whereby they have, what, six loanees and then come the, come the end of the season, they're almost kind of rebuilding half the team again. But we've seen countless examples, haven't we? Every single season of... Uh, championship clubs making the most of the Premier League loan market and you only have to look at Borough's most successful seasons, last season being one of them um, more often than not there's there's been a standout Premier, uh, Premier League loan player, the same with the teams that, that went up last year, the same with the teams that will no doubt be be in the mix again this season, just, just when we're talking about the centre forwards before we move on from there one, one kind of takeaway I've had from it is Josh Coburn's been terribly unlucky because yeah, I asked Michael Carrick about Coburn at Rotherham, and, and the suggestion was that he might well go out on loan again. Now, obviously, again, that's that's kind of going to be the League One example, isn't it, of the Championship and the Premier League or wherever Borough choose to send him. It they might well look at a, a Rotherham type, and he might well spend the season at the kind of bottom end of the uh, Championship or the bottom half of the Championship. But had Coburn been fit this summer? then he'd have had every chance you would have thought to nail down that starting spot up front. Because you well, would, have... would imagine he would have had three or four games to at least show Carrick that, that yeah. he's potentially a, a better option in the here and now than Rodgers. And, you know, again, it, it feels like we're disparaging Rodgers a bit before he's had a chance. So, you know, let, let's actually see what he does in a competitive game. But I think you're absolutely right. I think if Josh Corbin had played every pre-season game, even if he'd barely found the net... I think there's still every chance he would have been starting up front on Saturday, leading the line against Millwall, because you know he he has got that that degree of experience under his belt, and and you know from, from the little bits that we've seen of him since he comes but he's come back, he does look bigger, stronger, more mature, and and um, and yeah, he, he he will be very very unlucky if by the time he's getting back fit at the end of the month, Borough brought in say two new sparkly strikers and and Coburn shipped back out again. It's 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 a possible scenario, definitely. Um, but you will feel like it's been a missed opportunity for him if that's the way it plays out. Yeah. And and, and the two positions then, um, if we look through the squad now, we know goalkeepers boxed off. Centre half borough looks strong. If you think there's Fry, Lenahan, Vandenberg, and McNair all on Potentially Clark. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Yeah, although, yeah, although we know McNair looks set to start at right back with, with Smith and Dykes. The injuries there, yeah. You asked Carrick whether he'd be tempted to bring in a player at right back. You can completely understand his argument, can't you? In which he says, well, if we do, there's every chance that a month down the line, we're going to have three right backs there. Yeah, that's it. He clearly didn't want to give away the exact extent of Tommy Smith's injury, but it didn't sound 
potentially as bad as it may be. Look, you know, when he first went down at, at Betis, we were thinking ankle ligaments. You're thinking six, nine months, maybe even the season. I certainly didn't get that impression from the way that Carrick was wanting to answer. Now, you know, he might have been playing a poker hand, might he? he they might come out and sign a right back. But he was kind of suggesting, look, if, if this is a monthly off like that, two months even, then, you know, why do we eat into our budget to bring in a right back when all things being equal, as soon as Tommy Smith's fit and raring, he, he's back in the team because he's my number one right back. And, and I understand that if you are talking four weeks, six weeks. Obviously, if you're talking six months, I think it's a very different discussion. But you'd hope from the way that Carrick answered that question that, that we're not talking months and months and months. It might become a bit clearer before this weekend. We know Borough obviously want to look at to bring in a midfielder, um, potentially as kind of cover for that Johnny Housen type position like Alex Mowat was last year. But the two priorities are clearly up front and at left back. Now, Hayden Coulson is obviously the only senior recognised left back in the books. Ryan Giles went to Luton last week. Borough prioritised the signing of Giles. He was clearly the the top target at left back. And there was real confidence as as recently as a couple of weeks ago that Borough were going to get Giles back. For one reason or another, that didn't happen. And he opted to go to to Luton, obviously to play for Rob Edwards, who, who previously managed him. I think with Wolves under 23s and at Telford when he had a loan spell there. So we're obviously looking to bring in a left back and, yeah. and two centre forwards. Um that it's getting by really until then, isn't it? You would you would look at Ryan and Colson and think, well, Colson looked set to start, but then tinkering with McGree in the second half of against Auxerre was was that Carrick genuinely looking at that as an option or kind of making a bit of a play as to what's needed, although it was pretty clear anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I, I don't think it's that. I, I, I think I think it was. I think it was just not necessarily an option to start, although it could be. But I think I think they need an option in case Hayden Coulson gets an injury in the first half of the first game that he plays. Because, you know, if Coulson suddenly is out of the equation as well, then they really haven't got anybody who's played any kind of minutes there as an option. Um, especially when your default option would probably be to drop Paddy McNair in there, wouldn't it? Because he's the type of player who, as we've seen, can pretty much play anywhere on the pitch. But but if you, you know, Burren desperately need McNair at right back at the minute. So I think that was really just, if, if the worst came to the worst, what would I do? And I think that is probably what Burren would have to do. So so I think that was probably what that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've kind of been the two key positions ever since the, the start. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we, from the, the, the moment the last season ended, we were saying, well, if Giles and Archer don't come back, they're the big gaps that need filling. And, and they're still the big gaps that need filling. And the fact that they haven't been filled yet does, you know, does make you think, well, Premier League loans have to be a part of this equation now because that's the that's the main reason, I think, that you wait until this stage of the window because that's when they start becoming clear. I think particularly in attack, the disparity between what you can get for your book in terms of a Premier League loan, as opposed to going out to try and sign a centre forward on a four or five year deal, is massive. Um, and so, you know, I that's why I give Borough a, a, a you know a, a reasonable degree of leeway for not having got this done yet, because I suspect the two or three targets that they're potentially you know got lined up, got their eye in for in terms of Premier League loans are potentially way, way better than what they could get for the same amount of money in the open market, whether it be from abroad, 
whether it be from clubs lower down the championship, whether it be from clubs in League One, whatever. You know, I, I think that's where the difference lies. And as you rightly say, you know, an awful lot of teams have done really well in the championship in recent seasons, pretty much off the back of a Premier League loan player who's getting them 20 goals. And if Borough can bring that in, great. If they can't, then you start to worry about exactly where this squad's at in comparison to where last season's was without Archer, without Ramsey, without um, Giles. It's funny, isn't it? Because we were only saying, weren't we, yesterday when we were having a chat, that there, there hasn't really been any any links, any speculation, any names. And yet we were saying the same earlier this summer and then suddenly within a week it all exploded and, and, and six players signed. The likes of Silvera and Vandenberg um, and Dieng and Glover, Borough and, and, and clearly the parties who they were working with did a good job of keeping it under wraps until, you know, often it inevitably yeah. seeps out in the end. But it wasn't it wasn't until very late that it did. So, it, you know, there's no doubt that Borough are going to be are going to be working away. And, and the other thing is, it is inevitably hardest to sign a centre forward, isn't it? Yeah. That, it, it? You know, bringing in a number nine is is the hardest thing for any club to do at any level. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Was I think it was always going to be the hardest and, and therefore probably the last to fall. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you, you know, well, we talked about it last year, didn't we? You know, Jokerez was head and shoulders the best centre forward in the, in the championship. Now he's gone for mega money to Sport and Lisbon. Below him, who else were the, the standout number nines in the championship last year who weren't Premier League loan players who have gone back to their Premier League employees? There was very, very, very few, which is why it, it is so hard to get it right. And it's why I think you're... Leeds, Leicester, Southamptons start this season with a pretty big advantage because I think they've all got at least one of those players. Now, whether they stay there is the big thing. You know, Leicester currently have Vardy, they've got Daka, they've got Ian Acho. All three of them will not still be Leicester players come the end of this month. But if even one of them is, that's probably a 20-goal-a-season championship strike, a guarantee. Southampton, Adam Armstrong, Shea Adams. You'd have either of them leading the line for Borough in the Championship at the minute, I think, because they're proven, yes, they didn't really cut it at the, at the Premier League. But, I mean, Adam Armstrong, every time he's played in the Championships, bang goals in left, right and centre for teams that haven't really been challenging for promotion. He should be capable of doing that again. And then and then, and then then Leeds, you've got um, you've got Gellar, who's at Sunderland, you've got Bamford, you've got Rutter, you've got Sinistera. You know, again, I don't think all of them will still be there at the end of the month. But if even a couple of them are, that's the kind of level Borough need to be bringing someone in at. And I don't think you can get that type of player by doing what they did at the start of the summer, which is plucking untried, you know, unproven kids from abroad. Well, no, that's not, that's not right. I'm not saying you can't do it. It's a massive gamble. And clubs get as many of them wrong as they get right. But the difference with that is, instead of gambling with maybe half a million here, whatever, if, if you're signing a striker at that level, you're probably talking five, six, seven, eight million for kind of anyone who's going to walk through the door of that ilk. And, and you know, are Borough in a financial position where they can afford to take that kind of gamble? I don't think they are anymore. So I understand why they're doing what they're doing. But, um, but clearly, come the end of the month, somebody has to be through that door. Um, they will be, won't they? Somebody will be through the door. But... It's going to have to work. Yeah. 
I know when Borough had that flurry of signings, I was told then that the the plan wasn't initially to bring in the younger players first and then and then bring in the more senior players. It's just that inevitably they're easier deals to do. And I think there's yeah. another example of that up the road in that Sunderland desperately needed to sign centre forwards. Now now they have they've signed Hemiya from Benfica and Mayenda, who, who who unfortunately got injured in his first training session. But they're 18 and 19-year-old lads. Yeah. Sunderland, as they were at the end of last season, still haven't managed to sign a, a senior striker to support Ross Stewart, who we know is out until the end of September. Which again, you know, you're looking, they're probably going to look at that Premier League loan market again. But there, there are examples across the division, aren't they? I know Preston yeah. are, are still looking to... To sign a centre forward, Stoke are looking to sign oh, a centre yeah. forward. Wednesday, we're going, you know, Ipswich wanted Ellis Sims before he went to Coventry. That that is the hardest role to fill, and Borough aren't the only team. In no, the, and actually, you know, I mean, you know, what, so, uh, sorry, I was going to say, I think what what has probably increased Borough's need is the fact Tuba has missed all of the summer with yeah. the injury. So that suddenly kind of makes that that void at the front end of the pitch look even bigger doesn't it and and obviously at this stage we still don't know kind of when we can expect Akpom to be back uh and it's the same with with Johnny House and um obviously Carrick speaking the press on Thursday and that that's going to be near the top of the agenda isn't it are either of them back in training when when is the hope that either of them could be back in contention and obviously then there's the question about Tuba and the contract as well yeah, and I was just, funny enough, I've just written this. We're, we're doing our kind of pre-season predictions. I know we'll do it on the vid at the end of the week, but we've done it for a piece in, in the paper and online that'll be going up late this week. And there are really, really interesting parallels between Borough and Sunderland in terms of where they're at in the summer that they've had because, you know, they've, they've both gone down the route of bringing in a batch of young, unproven kind of kids from abroad who are on the fringe of the first team but are all sort of kind of, um, you know, offer development potential over the next two or three years. Neither of them have really been able to bring in the senior players that they needed, certainly at the top end of the pitch, to plug pretty obvious gaps that have been there all summer. And as you say, both of them are hamstrung by the fact that the key player in their team for both of them is injured, hasn't kicked a ball all pre-season, is in the last year of their contract, and has a bit of Izzy or Isney hanging over him, both in terms of now and for January, obviously, Tuber at Borough, Ross Stewart at Sunderland, and... And the, the dynamic at both clubs is very, very similar in terms of where their current summer transfer business sits at, because both, you'd have to say, hinges on what happens still between now and the end of the window, because the gap, the key gaps that were there at the start of the summer, I think, are still there for both clubs. Um, just finally, on, on kind of looking back on pre-season, it's been a chance for, for several young players to, to, to catch the eye and to be included. Um, I mean, at this stage, you wouldn't expect any of them to be ready to break in to the team and, and, and kind of play a major role between now and, say, January. But has anyone has anyone caught your eye? Has anyone in particular stood out in the games um, you've seen? The couple of games that I've seen him in, I thought Belongo looks quite good. Um, I thought he looked quite good last season when he obviously played in the very early round in the League Cup, didn't he? And didn't look out of place. Um, I think he's definitely someone who has the potential to be in and around um, in and around the squad this season. You know, clearly he's a bit off yet and, and it may be that he's someone who they look to loan because obviously, you know, I think between now and the end of the month, there will be two or three of those younger lads who, who inevitably do head out on loan. Um, I think he'd 
I think he'd probably stand out. Um, Sonny Finch, I thought, probably would have offered more in maybe the little bits that I've seen him. That's probably a bit harsh, in fairness. I'm thinking mainly of that very first game, which um, was obviously just easing things back in. But I don't think there's anyone who's hit me between the eyes and said, wow, I really need to keep an eye on you because I think between now and Christmas, you'll potentially be the next Hayden Hackney and be forcing you into the starting lineup. What about you? In the second half of Rotherham, Jack Stott was was mm. really good. That was, I mean, obviously we've split the Borough games between us, so yes. I haven't seen every game. But but the first half at Rotherham was kind of the absolute opposite, really, of everything we talked about about the Auxerre game at the start of this. In that Borough did play with real intensity and blew Rotherham away. Really, um, it was really impressive in that first half. And then the second half, Carrick made the changes. Stott came on and um, and he ran the show in the second half. He was. He was really good. Now that's the only bit I've seen of him in. in uh, he, I saw him. He in played at Bradford. He, he played with Piero as the kind of two at the base at Bradford, and I thought that they were they were both very neat and tidy. But um, Bradford's physicality was a was a problem for that Borough team. Now, admittedly, it didn't help that they had Hannah and Vandenberg as the two centre halves up against Andy Cook, who's a big yeah. league <laughs> two striker yeah. who just wants to knock players left, right, and centre. So. That 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 you know that clearly didn't help. And if, and if someone like a stop near me had a house and alongside them, that might be probably different. But um, yeah, I, I thought that that central midfield pairing of the two of them was was um, was certainly overrun at times by just how strong and muscular Bradford were. But that's probably to be expected. I mean, yeah. Piero is another interesting one who probably fair to say hasn't really had the impact in the games that that maybe you would have hoped or that he would have wanted. He, you know it. You're certainly not feeling that he's really banging on the door to start on Saturday, are you? Well, he won't start, will he? I, 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 there's been nothing really to suggest that he should start. As the now, no. I know it's difficult when you're coming back and you, and and he was a couple of weeks behind, uh, and he's getting the grips with with kind of Carrick style of play and what have you. And and as ever with him, he's clearly a very tidy, talented player, isn't he? So you see the flashes, mm. but. For all that Borough were really impressive in that first half at Rotherham, it, it passed him by, really. Um, as, as did the Bradford game, really, which was what I was alluding to. Yeah, yeah he, came on, he came on against Auxerre, but it was late on. Um, I, it still feels to me at this stage like the most likely outcome with Piero is that he moves on and it, and it, and it, and it suits all parties best. Now, obviously, you need to find a deal for that and and Carrick might be seeing he sees him every day he might be seeing flashes and might think well a month down the line I think he might be ready to go but just judging him on what we see um I haven't I haven't seen enough yet to suggest yeah, that he's I think play. that's fair I think that's fair yeah um anyhow we'll wrap up there so we're going to come back at the end of the week and do our pre-season predictions looking ahead who knows will we have had any uh, any transfer developments by then Carrick said maybe when he was asked at the weekend whether uh, anything will happen before the, the Millwall game. Between now and then, we'll speak to Carrick over at Rockcliffe. The uh, pre-match uh, press conference is scheduled to take place on Thursday, as is always the case. So we're back to doing two a week now, um, every week between now and, and the end of the season. So anything you want us to discuss, obviously just shout up. Um, and we will have some special guests lined up along the way as well. Thanks for watching.